This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings. And now with their pink bonus series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the Pink Bonus Series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Welcome to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and with me is Grace Ramage. Hello, Grace. Hello, Fee, and hello everybody listening in to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. Well, we hope that you had an amazing first day of the championships because what a day it was on the track. We knew that we had the four group ones to look forward to and they absolutely delivered. But Fee, I think one thing that nobody predicted was about an hour or two before the first race at Randwick, the heavens opened and it just bucketed down. Mm -hmm. And we ended up on a very, very heavy track, which was really unfortunate for those like us who had done all of the work (laughs) on a good track, not expecting even a spit of rain. And then all of a sudden you have to completely change the way that you're thinking about everything and you've done all the work. And then all of a sudden it's just confetti. (laughs) So it makes it really difficult. But the thing is, the thing is, Fee, is that racing's an outdoor sport and that's going to happen time and time again where the weather prediction is just totally wrong. And therefore you need to be flexible in your thoughts and make some changes to um, you know, still try and work out who's going to win each of the races. So it was a very, very tricky day how did you fare in the end pretty badly and I've learned my (laughs) lesson um don't put bets on until the morning of like preferably as close to the race as possible because yep one little bit of rain and it's all over it becomes so specialized for those horses that like the wet that any bets that you make under different conditions just no longer apply. So a little bit of a sad weekend, and I think uh, a lot of our community were feeling the same. I did see a few reports that people um, were having a bad day on the punt, having um, not realised it was going to be a heavy track. So this week we do know it's going to be heavy, don't we, Grace, so we can prepare. And I thought before we get into the form, we are going to be covering the four group ones at Randwick again. It's just a rinse and repeat of last week for this week's episode. We're going to cover the four group ones and I thought we'd better go back over what we need to look for for these wet tracks, the form grace, because in a previous episode last year we talked a lot about wet track form and unlike last week, this week all of the group ones are a mile plus, so it's middle distance to stay in races. One of the races is 3,200 metres. And we touched on in that previous episode that not only do they have to have wet track form, but they have to be quite fit, don't they, to get out to these trips in the wet conditions. Yeah, so basically let's go back to Saturday morning for me. Last Saturday morning when I was sitting there thinking, you know, I've, I've done my form and I think I know who the winners of the races are and Um, I've got it all worked out the way I think it was going to happen in my head and then it starts to rain the things that I then think to myself okay what am I now looking for how does this change things I suppose the first the first thing is fee um, is that you're going to be looking for a very fit horse like you already mentioned all of a sudden horses that have had 
you know, plenty of racing within the past week or two weeks or three weeks. So horses that are on the quick backup, generally you'll see firm in the bedding because they've got the miles in their legs to be able to cope with the more testing ground. The other thing that can be a good thing to look for is if you're looking at, let's say, a 1,200-meter race like we saw with the TJ Smith stakes last week, all of a sudden, on a wet track, you want a horse that isn't going to you know, be getting tired at the end of 1,200 meters at all because all of a sudden, it's going to feel like for the horses more like a 1,400-meter race rather than just a sit-and-sprint-dash-home sprint race. So that's the other thing you need to think about. Who's got fitness on their side, but who is also capable of having that stamina not just speed to win that certain race, whatever distance it is. So with the rain in the TJ Smith stakes, definitely help the winner in I Wish I Win because we know how good he is out to 1,600 mm-hmm. meters. That's almost his preferred trip. Yeah. And it probably played against In Secret, who is a really sharp speedster who at 1,200 meters is, while she's been very effective at 14, she's definitely sharp and a 1,200-meter specialist. So that's another thing to think about. Also, another massive thing to think about when you're dealing with wet tracks as opposed to good tracks is that if you think about the way that the races have run, um, jockeys, as we saw in the first couple of races at Randwick on Saturday, they really stayed away from the inside part of the track mm-hmm. because each, especially metropolitan tracks, are really well cambered. So when it rains, the rain drains sort of a little bit down into the rail area because that's the way that it falls down towards the fence. And as a result, that can often be worse. It's sloppier, it's slushier, it's heavier. So as the races are run, you'll see jockeys trying to edge into the wider lanes, which are potentially a bit drier, if that makes sense, not as mushy and also untouched, like haven't no horses have got out there yet. So it's clean ground, better ground. So all of a sudden inside barriers are a disadvantage and outside barriers can be an advantage. Now by race eight on Saturday, so we saw the Doncaster run, it was pretty much just a free for all because they'd most of the jockeys and horses have been on all parts of the track by that stage. So there was no there was no A ground anymore. And we saw Mr. Brightside um, sort of stick close to the inside of the track and win from that position. So it's not, a, it's not a hard and fast rule, but the way my brain works, if we're on a wet track, I'm going to be saying, right, if you've actually drawn barrier 14, that's not the worst because it means you can slingshot into the better ground. It's not, it's not a bad thing wide barriers on wet tracks so they're probably the three things i think about fee Uh, how fit a horse is how able they are to have that stamina kick in over the distance that they're running on because it's not it's going to act like add an extra furlong or two furlongs to the races how it's going to feel for the horses and then the third one is that wide barriers are certainly not a disadvantage at all sometimes they can be beneficial that's all really good stuff to keep in mind and i've certainly been basically disregarding anyone that doesn't have wet track form in uh, my analysis of the races. So I'm excited to go through it with you. We'll be going in race book order and let's get stuck into that now. Alrighty then, we are going to be starting with race six, the Australian Oaks 2400 metres set weights, group one for the three-year-old fillies. We had the derby for the boys last week, so now it's the girls' turn, and I've got a few of my fun facts lined up, so let's get into that. Firstly, from the history of this race, it's very important to pick a filly with some staying form. We want to identify fillies 
with form at 2,000 metres at least. This is a staying race, so we need to focus on identifying stayers. And of course, with the wet conditions, this is more important than ever, as we already touched on. So the best lead-up race for the Australian Oaks is the Vinery Stud Stakes. It's produced the most winners, and we need to pay special attention to the form out of that race. Another race that's very important to pay close attention to is the Adrian Knox, which is run the week prior, so the seven-day backup, and that's proven quite successful in uh, Oaks winners. Favourites have won this race around about a third of the time in the last 30 years, so a pretty good ratio there. Horses that finish within the top five of their lead-up race have the most success in this race, so horses need to be in form coming into this race. And just like in the Derby, we need to pay special attention to the Kiwis' grace. Recent Kiwi winners include Daffodil, Sophia Rosa and Bonneval. Another thing we should mention, Grace, which we didn't touch on before, is that the rail's been moved out four metres for Saturday. So the ground should be uh, not too choppy. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, it makes sense why they would move the rail because... Um, obviously the rail was in a true position last Saturday but because we had so much rain because of how much wear and tear there would be right across the track but particularly back to the inside um, it doesn't surprise me at all that they've moved the rail out to the four meter mark look if it's going to be wet again all that's meaning and all that's telling you is that the really chopped up um, you know plowed paddock part of the track you won't be able to get there because the rail's covering it out to the four meter mark so even if if it's wet again they're obviously going to get into it just as much but you can take confidence that there will be no horse that's sort of in that plowed paddock area with extra rain on it that's going to be taken out of play that's why they moved the the rail out to the four meter position and how's the market looking for this race grace so the favorite for this race fee is the second place getter of the vinery stud stakes in pavitra the winner of the vinery stud stakes is actually not in this race she's a kiwi by the name of prowess but she hasn't taken her place out to the 2400 meters here she was too good in winning the 2000 meter group one for the three-year-old fillies the natural lead up to the oaks in the vinery stud stakes last time but pavitra was right there and the thing about pavitra is that she's very consistent and we know that she stays the distance so she's our three dollar sixty favorite at the moment fireburns one that's had a little bit of support into six dollars fifty and the other one that's sort of respected in the market at the moment is a filly by the name of arts and she is at seven dollars fifty as it stands she's a really interesting one fee because she's only had three career starts and she is the winner of the Adrian Knox, which is the one that you mentioned, has a pretty good record on the seven-day backup coming out of an Adrian Knox into an Oaks is generally a recipe that we can see horses run well. And she won really dominantly too, didn't she? She uh, had lengths on the field and on the heavy conditions too, so lots of ticks there for arts. I do want to talk about number one, Penny Wicker, the Kiwi coming over. Her last start was in the New Zealand Oaks three weeks ago where she won very well on a soft track, so we also know conditions might suit her. And trained by Jim Wallace. Now, if Penny Wicker gets up this Saturday, the Wallace family in Masterton, New Zealand, have had an absolutely amazing month because not only have they trained Pennywicker and probably bred Pennywicker I'm assuming but they also bred Little Bros the Blue Diamond winner so 
It would be pretty cool if she could get up for the Wallace family. That would be amazing. Did you watch her Oaks race, Grace? What did you think of, of her performance in that? Well, she came from so far back. It was a huge field that day um, at the 2,400 metres on the on the wettish conditions, as you've already mentioned. And she was so dominant. Obviously, she's got plenty of ability, and it's no surprise to see her come over to Australia to target this race. And, you know, if you take a line through Prowess, who is a Kiwi that won the Vinery Stud Stakes last start, well, there's no reason to suggest that Penny Wecker would not measure up to this class of filly. So I think she's right in the mix. She has to be. Obviously, the query is the travel and how well she's done coming over here, but she looks to have a lot in her favor with a lot of recent racing, a lot of heavy track form and a dominant win from her last start as well. So she's definitely in the mix. I'm sort of surprised to see number two Pavitra on top because I did really like her last run. I really like her racing style. She's a big, strong filly and I'm really excited to see what she does in the future, but she doesn't have any wet track form grace. So I'm a little bit shocked to see her on top, especially when there are, you know, horses like Arts and Penny Wicker and plenty of others who have that wet track form. And as a front runner, Pavitra, do you think that suits her on the wet conditions, being at the front and dictating the pace? Well, it's an interesting one because ultimately um, the winner of this race is a filly that has got enough stamina to be able to strongly see at the end of the 2,400 metres and on a wet track as well. That is that is going to be the difference between the winner and the rest of the field. So ultimately, it doesn't. in my mind, it doesn't really matter where you settle in the run here. If you're going to be strong late, you'll be strong late. And if you're not, you'll be getting pretty tired and probably fading towards um, the pointy end of the race. So for Pavitra, she settles on speed. She's drawn barrier two. James McDonald, I would assume, will be sort of edging out toward the middle of the track if he can get there from the front. So it's not it's not a detrimental map for her, that, that on speed low draw. I think that that's going to work out okay for Pavitra. She does have some wet track form from last preparation when she actually raced through to the the VRC Oaks at 2,500 metres. She led that day and was beaten about a length by She's Extreme. Great run, but the two starts prior, in fact, the three starts prior were on heavy or soft seven conditions. So she's got some wet track form. The thing about Pavitra for me is I was a bit disappointed in her last start, to be honest. I actually thought, I actually thought she probably should have won or at least not been beaten by such a, a margin, three and a half lengths. So just that sort of a run for me, not so much of a fast finishing, eye-catching, yes, this horse is on track to win the Oaks. It wasn't that sort of run. So I don't know where she's at. She can definitely win um, because we know she stays, but I'm just not sure of where she's at. Yeah, the last horse that I think is worth going through with a fine-tooth comb is Arts, the one you mentioned earlier. She was just so impressive in the Adrian Knox. Just seemed to love the wet I think that was the first time she's seen a heavy track. She has one on the soft as well. And from the form indicators that I mentioned earlier, she is proven at the 2,000 metres thanks to that win in the Adrian Knox. She certainly looked like she had lots left in the tank to get out to the 2,400 metres. I think she's going to be pretty hard to beat. And 
at $7.50, she's going to be my pick. I'm going to have an each way bet on her. Is there anyone that you're with in this race? I would have to say that at the price, Arts is the way to go because she's so lightly raced. We don't know how good she is yet. She was so dominant winning last Saturday and we love the quick backup of a heavy track into another wet track. Clearly, she's going to relish it. Um, we've already seen that and we know that she's going to be fit enough. And the other thing is she was so strong at the end of that 2000 meter contest. There was no sign of her getting tired at all. So I would assume 2,400 meters should be pretty good for art. So I've, I'm with you, Fee. I just think at the price, she's probably the one in what's a pretty open field. Like the, I don't think there's going to be too much between them. It'll be whoever stays out the trip best and whoever likes the wet track. And for me, that probably is arts. Okay, well, we're both with arts in race six. Let's move on to race seven. This is the Sydney Cup, 3,200 metres. The Sydney Cup is New South Wales version of the Melbourne Cup. These are the only two races run over 3,200 metres that are group ones. So when we're looking for who we think is going to put in a strong performance, we really want to see horses with form over 2,800 metres. Internationals have been dominating this race since 2010, so important to pay special attention to their form leading in. And in terms of the weights, you know, being a handicap race, horses carrying 56 kilos and above have quite a poor record in this race. The chairman's handicap over 2,600 metres has historically produced the most winners in the Sydney Cup in recent years. And most winners of the Sydney Cup finish in the top four in their lead-up race. So again, we need to be looking at horses in form. And the best barrier is number eight with 10 wins. And it is the best barrier by far. The next most successful barrier has produced only four. So it's a really um, strong statistic there. Grace, how is the market looking for the Sydney Cup? So it's $4 the field in the Sydney Cup this year, as you would expect, because in these big handicap races, um, we often see that there are plenty of horses given chances, a really big spread in the weights. We've got a $4 favorite in the form of Cleveland, who is one of those internationals from the Joseph O'Brien stable, who's already won two Melbourne Cups for a young trainer from Ireland. Um, but this horse has had one Australian start and now is the favourite for the Sydney Cup getting out to the 3,200 metres. Gold Trip is at $8, as is King Frankel. And we can see Knight's Order, who was the winner of this race last year, he's been $26 into $17. So there's been a little bit of money around for that horse as well. So plenty of horses here at double figure odds. But plenty of value to be found, I think, Fee. Yeah, definitely. I find the weight stats really interesting in this race, and that obviously rules out Gold Trip, the Melbourne Cup winner, who's at 59.5 kilos, and Knight's Order as well at 56.5. So those bigger-named horses are sort of disadvantaged uh, this weekend. Outside of those big names, Grace, who who are you looking at? Well, there's one horse that really jumps out for me, Fee, and it's based on a couple of things, but mainly it is, again, to do with the handicap conditions of this race. So we spoke about this a few weeks ago when we looked at the Oakley Plate and what the difference in um, weight swings can do when you have had a recent start versus a certain horse at, at maybe set weights and then all of a sudden you're in a handicap and there's a huge difference in the weight they have to carry. It's exactly the same situation here between Gold Trip and my top selection in the race and the favorite at the moment in Cleveland. Now, these two horses both met at Wait for Age last start, so they both contested the Tancred Stakes, which is at 2,400 meters at Wait for Age. So they both carried 59 kilos there. 
now under the handicap conditions. One of them is a lightly raced import in Cleveland that's only had nine starts and is actually yet to even win a stakes race. He plummets down to 51 kilograms. The other one is a Melbourne Cup winner last spring. So, you know, as big as it gets in terms of group ones over staying trips, he goes up half a kilo to 59 and a half kilos. What that means is that there is an eight and a half kilo weight swing to the disadvantage of Gold Trip and in the advantage or beneficial to Cleveland. And that is so significant fee, especially when you're talking about a staying race and on a wet track. So I just think that considering Cleveland ran a great race, in my opinion, in the Tancred Stakes last start at his first Australian run, this was probably always the goal, this next Sydney Cup. And Joseph O'Brien is the sort of trainer who knows what it takes to win a race like the Melbourne Cup because he's done it twice and also a Sydney Cup. So he will have identified Cleveland as that sort of horse. We know that he can stay the troop because he's done it before. And now he plummets to 51 kilograms and meets Gold Trip eight and a half kilos better than when they clashed in the Tancred Stakes and he already had his measure there. So I am with Cleveland for those points. And Kerry McAvoy is a great lightweight jockey. Barrier 17, not the worst because I think he can get into those better lanes as well. So, yep, Cleveland's the one I'm with in this race. And I also think High Emotion can run a sneaky race because she's on the quick backup. She loves wet tracks. And she wasn't too bad at all out of the Chairman Stakes last Saturday, which was won by Shawfire. She's at a bigger price. But, yeah, Cleveland's Cleveland's a clear top pick in the Sydney Cup for me. What do you think, Fee? Yeah, I can't knock you with Cleveland um, if we're talking about the importance of stamina in these wet tracks, especially over a big distance. Like, he's won over... 3,750 metres back home so he's certainly a stayer he's certainly got the stamina and it might feel like 3,750 metres on Saturday with the rain so he's definitely got that on his side and and a fabulous jockey and the incredible weight swing as you mentioned I am leaning more towards two horses that came out of the chairman stakes the group two they are on the seven day backup and that is number 15 nerve not verve and number 16 gin martini What I liked about them is that they both have heavy track form, which is great. They're both proven over quite a trip. So Gin Martini's won over 3,200 already. Nerve Not Verbs won over 2,600. So they've definitely got that staying ability. Gin Martini really hit the line very strongly in the chairman stakes. And I was with her originally, had her on top, but the barrier sort of put me off grace. But she's an 18 and Cleveland's in 17 and you're not too worried. So maybe I need to reassess that. But that did put me off slightly, whereas Nerve Not Verve's got barrier two. And then talking about the weights, Grace, both of them are getting quite a bit of weight relief in this race. So Nerve Not Verve is down five kilos from her last start and Jen Martini's down four. So they should be able to improve off their last run's you know, with the weight off their backs. What do you think of those two? Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you've said. Um, Barrier 18 for Gin Martini, the difference between her, well, it depends on the tactics, I suppose, because Gin Martini can actually race up on speed. She's shown that she, especially out to this trip, can sort of bowl along near the pace. Um, But that might be tricky for them to get there from Barrier 18. So with Cleveland, I think he'll go back from Barrier 17. If she goes back to, it's not the end of the world, over 3,200 metres, she'll just find her spot, keep her comfy and be hitting the line strongly. That's probably the play. So, yeah, I don't think Barrier 18 is too much of a disadvantage given the conditions that we have this Saturday. The way that I'm seeing this race, Sophie, is that Cleveland 
is probably going to be way too good for this field. But I could be wrong. That's just the way that I am. That's just the way that I'm predicting it because of the way that he came out and ran so well first up at Wait for Age. Now he gets into his true grade, a handicap race. Um, I just think that this is his target and he might be too good. But we will find out on Saturday. Yeah, and these two girls are both paying each way money. So maybe I can go for that option um, after hearing uh, your confidence in Cleveland. Um, Yeah, he sounds like a very exciting horse to watch. Hopefully he's sticking around for the spring. Okay, so that is race seven, the Sydney Cup. Let's move right along to the Queen Elizabeth Stakes Grace. And this is a 2,000 metre wait for age, group one. And we find Animo on the second line of betting for the first time in a long time. But before we get into that, let's go through the fun facts. So this race was named after Queen Elizabeth after she attended the race in 1954. Originally, this race was run over 4,800 metres, Grace, longer than the Melbourne Cup. What? Yes. <laughs> but over the years, it's been scaled back to 2,000 metres. It is one of uh, Australia's oldest races, so it's changed a lot during its long time being run. So let's look at the form indicators. The most important lead-up races are the Tancred Stakes and the Doncaster Mile, providing 22 of the last 37 winners. The majority of winners since 2010 have ran either first or second in their lead-up run. And since 1983, only two horses have won off a non-Sydney lead-up. What is the market looking like, Grace? What's happened to Animo? Well, this is the thing. Absolutely nothing has happened to our big boy, the BA, Animo. He is absolutely airborne, but this is what makes this race so exciting and one of the races of the Autumn Racing Carnival because there is a horse by the name of Dubai Honor who came out from Europe for this Sydney campaign. He's only had the one start. That was last start in the Ranvit Stakes and was so dominant that from that moment when everybody saw what he did to the likes of Montefilia and Mawanga, some of our horses that are you know pretty good at that sort of distance in that grade, once we saw what he did to that field, well, everybody was just waiting with bated breath for the ding-dong battle, the head-to-head clash between Dubai Honor and Animo. And it's been so fascinating, the build-up, because you, know, you even look at the market now, and Dubai Honor is a $2.45 favorite and Animo is at $2.60. So the market is having an extremely hard time splitting these two horses. And that's what makes it so exciting. They're sort of, um, you know, our great weight for age 2000 meter horse versus one of the good horses coming out here to take him on and try and steal our prize money. So this is definitely the highlight on Saturday for me. I cannot wait for this race, and I'm sure the crowd at Randwick will be extremely biased and everybody will be screaming for Animo, but mm-hmm. as they should be because he is our wait-for-age champ. Local hero. Yes, and we want him to show everybody how good he really is. So, yeah, those two are definitely right at the top of betting, as you can understand. The other one... Uh, that's really interesting in this race is a Japanese horse by the name of Unicorn Lion, who we haven't had a great deal of Japanese participation in Australian racing in the last couple of years. Um, But the Japanese horses 
absolutely thrive when they travel. The only thing that might be against Unicorn Lion is that traditionally Japanese horses love firm tracks, that what they race on back home are very fast, dry tracks. So the wet track for him is a definite disadvantage. Yeah, I also noticed that Dubai Honor hasn't seen a heavy track before either. He's won twice on the soft, so I guess that's indicating he's going to handle it. Uh, whereas Animo certainly has heavy track form with two wins from four goes and five wins on the soft out of seven starts. So I think the track conditions are probably leaning towards Animo or do we just not know with Dubai Honor, like he's not tested. So interesting though, seeing Animo take a little knock back and, you know, it makes it sort of fun to have a bit of money on him again, I think. Yeah, definitely. All of a sudden, he's the underdog when, you know, he's been $1.80, $1.60, $1.60, $2.35, $2.40. Like, he's just, every time he goes around, he's a short price favorite. And the reason for that fee is that he just keeps winning. He's had 24 starts, 14 wins, nine of those wins at Group 1 level. So, you know, he just keeps getting the job done. He's won three from three this campaign and he's definitely peaking for what is without a doubt his grand final race for the preparation. So um, he will be as fit, as primed for this as he's been this whole campaign. And the most interesting thing for me with Animo Fee is that we actually haven't seen Animo in a race with genuine tempo in a long, long time. He always seems to find races which are... Um, you know, relatively small fields and races where they sort of just back the tempo off and then Animo just sort of dashes home and wins. But I'm so excited to potentially see this horse on a nice bowling tempo here. I think the Japanese horse has got the ability to go forward. Numerian, who was so brave leading um, and being right on top of the speed in the Australian Cup last start, he was only narrowly defeated there after setting a very fast tempo in the Australian Cup. So we know that he'll bowl along on speed. Um, I think there's a few horses there that'll set at a genuine enough tempo to have these two horses, you know, no excuses for the two at the top of the market. I think we'll see Animo go to the the peak that we've seen in this whole prep. He'll go to that next level. And look, it's obviously extremely hard to, to split them, but I am team Animo Fee. I just think this horse is the sort of horse that beats what is in front of him and doesn't do any more than that. So, you know, you put any horse against him and he will rise to that level, if that makes sense. That's the theory I have, and that's what I'm sticking with. Yeah, cool. I am also excited to see how Anima goes and would love him to win and prove that he is really one of the best. But I also have to mention my boy Cascadian, who I had so much fun backing in the Australian Cup and like. He was just so good in that race, like best he's been in a long time. First in the All-Star Mile, which was great, then winning the Australian Cup. I just feel like he could run a place here, definitely. So I'm going to have a little sneaky place bet on him. He also has the wet track form, two wins from five starts. So, yep, I'm going to have a little bit on Cascadian to place and a little bit on Animo because he's not the favourite for once. Well, not at the moment. That could change. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. It's going to be such an interesting market to watch. You know, the swings between the 
the the quotes and the prices of Animo and Dubai Honor. Cascadian is so so consistent. You know what he will bring. Like he's he just brings the same sort of Cascadian every time. So he's an easy one to know that he'll run a bold race. The other one that's I think a really big price is Montefilia. And we've yeah. spoken about her a few times already this carnival. She's at seventeen dollars now for running second in the Tancred Stakes last start um at 2400 meters like there was not much wrong with that run and now we can see her dropping back to the 2000 meters and importantly she does like wet tracks as well so i think she might be a big price like you know talking about a place bet because i do think that animo and dubai honor will probably be better than the rest of the field so you might be playing with the minor money there for the likes of cascadian and montefilia and of course fee we have to mention that not only is this a great race in itself animo versus the european form in dubai honor if animo wins this on saturday expect him to have his passport there ready to go and stamped because he will be on the plane heading over to royal ascot um, which has always been the plan for the Godolphin team to have him go over there and campaign and win on the biggest stage in the UK because of what that does for him as a stallion. If you go and win a Group 1 race over there, then all of a sudden you're up in lights and you can become what's known as a dual hemisphere stallion, which means that there's enough um, market interest and demand for that stallion over in the Northern Hemisphere, which means that he can technically be working both breeding seasons and just, you know, live a luxury life of traveling around the world doing his thing. So there's a lot on the line for Animo, and I hope that he wins on Saturday so we get to see him go over to England in June. Now, we want to move on from the Queen Elizabeth Stakes to the last race that we'll be covering today, the Queen of the Turf Stakes, 1,600 metres, wait for age, for the three-year-old and up fillies and mares. Now, Grace, the fun facts for this one. Gay Waterhouse has been the most successful trainer in this race with eight wins, twice as many as the next best trainer. The two most successful lead-up races for this one are the Group 2 Emancipation Stakes over 1,500 metres a fortnight before and the Group 1 Coolmore Classic over 1,500 metres a month before. Since 1996, only three winners had their lead-up run outside of Sydney, so Sydney form is key here. Since 2005, only six horses have won off a lead-up performance where they finished outside of third, and the most successful barrier is again number eight with eight wins. And how is the market shaping up for this one, Grace? Well, we just spoke in the previous race about um, a couple of international horses in the UK horse and also the Japanese horse. Well, in this race, we have got one of the more interesting runners on the whole day because we've never seen this mare in Australia before. Her name is Alcohol Free. I've actually heard some people suggesting, in fact, I think it was Gay Waterhouse was one of the commentators on this point, the trainer of this horse, saying that Alcohol Free is the best mare that has ever come from any country to Australia. She is the best, most well-credentialed mare to race in Australia um, that's not from here. So that is clearly suggesting that she's got plenty of ability and Gay Waterhouse would know considering that she trains her. She, alcohol free, is a four-time group one winner already. So, and to do that, um, you know, on the international stage, majority of her racing has been in the UK, to be up against three-year-old fillies and mares in the UK and winning at group one level, 100% means that you're going to come out here and you're going to be pretty competitive. So, 
she's the favorite at $3.40 at the moment. And you can totally understand why. While it's hard for us to know how good she is, you just know that that level of form definitely measures up out here. Um, in terms of what else is happening in the market, at $6.50, we have a horse, a local horse. It's absolutely airborne at the moment in Cerulean Miss. She just keeps on winning. She goes to the front and she is proving awfully hard to catch. So she's a natural second favorite in this. And then we've got Levante next best at $8 um, and Hope in Your Heart and Fangirl both on the quick backup out of the Doncaster Mile at handicap level last Saturday. They ran well there, but now they're up to wait for age against the Phillies and Mare. So those lightweights that they had there, they don't get that here against their own sex. So interesting race, fascinating race, heap of chances. But um, yeah, can't wait to see what Alcohol Free will do and how she'll race against this quality of local mares yeah it's going to be very interesting to see how she goes um i really like the second horse in betting cerulean miss i think she was just very good in the sunline stakes uh at mooney valley last start where she won over the trip and on a soft track so that's a lot of ticks for her and grace was that race a little bit of a fast tempo too i thought she sort of that race might rate quite well from having watched the replay today yep absolutely nailed it fee and that's right isn't it i mean you probably watched it and saw that they were all sort of under pressure from a long way out and that she was you know keeping up a genuine tempo that they were all trying to chase 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 it was a really fast run race she likes to settle on speed in genuine run races and she sustains it so she definitely ticks the stamina box We've seen her race beyond 1,600 metres in the past and she's raced really well. And just the way that she puts herself on speed and bowls along and is so strong late, she definitely has enough stamina to be winning this mile contest. And you're right, her last start win was a very high rating race. So I really can't find anything against this filly. Um, She's drawn low, she's a mare in form and when mares are in form, they generally keep racing in form. So... She's going to be really hard to beat. Great competition for alcohol-free, I think. Yeah, hopefully it's a little bit like uh, the race before, a bit of a battle going on there. The other one that I really liked for a play spec, Grace, was a tissue who is a Kiwi bred who ran very well second to roots in the group two emancipation. She hasn't won on the wet, but she's had four placings on wet track, so I think that's sort of good enough to get her going. And she came a close second to roots in the emancipation, as I was saying, but Roots has to carry an extra three kilos in this race, whereas she only has to add an extra kilo. I am a little bit concerned about barrier one, but she's a, a winner over 1,600 metres, which I find encouraging. And I just really liked how she hit the line in that last race. And she's sort of each way money. So she might be a little each way bet for me in this race. Is there anyone outside of the two favourites that catches your attention, Grace? So the thing about a tissue fee is, you know, how barrier draws can affect things on a wet track and And I've already spoken about how, you know, in the Australian Oaks, for example, Barrier 2 is not too much of a problem. Even Cerulean Miss here from Barrier 3, it's not too much of a problem because they naturally settle on speed. They're going to be able to put themselves where they want because I expect both of them to have plenty of room ahead of them to maneuver themselves wherever they want to go. However, a tissue, on the other hand, is the definition of a backmarker. She has got no early speed. She always just flops out of the barriers and settles toward the rear of the field. So barrier one, that means that she's going to be dictated to. She's not, she won't have the luxury of being able to put herself wherever she wants to be. The jockey will have to ride for luck and he'll have to ride where the gaps open. Um, 
it probably by this stage of the day it might be like a plowed paddock right across the track and that there's going to be no yeah there's going to be no good ground there's going to be no bad ground it's all just going to be a bit of a mush pit anyway I just feel though barrier one for me is a bit of a hesitation with the tissue in the sense that she's going to be forced to stick closer to the fence whereas other horses might get to the outside so that's just the way that I read um, her chances and how that barrier draw may not be to her advantage yeah I think that's fair enough there was another horse there uh, watching the lead up races I am very excited to see maybe not so much in this race I don't think um, she's not one of my top three but I am excited to see her race in the future and that's pride of Jenny Grace too did you watch her last start yeah, absolutely. She was only just beaten in the Coolmore Classic. Wasn't it a brave run on speed? Again, just like Cerulea Miss, you go back and watch Pride of Jenny's race replay from last start. They were humming along early. You can see all the riders um, you know, asking their horses to keep up throughout because they were going so fast through the mid-stages and then late in the piece. They were all sort of on tiring legs, but it was still a fantastic run from Pride of Jenny. The only thing about Pride of Jenny is that that was her race in my eyes because that was at handicap level and her handicap rating means that she only had to carry 51 kilos there. Now at weight for age, she doesn't get that weight relief because it's at weight for age. So she isn't, her weight isn't based on her rating points. It's based on her age. So she has no weight relief of any horse here. And that's to her disadvantage, given that she's pretty much got to carry the same weight as a four-time UK group one winning mare in alcohol free. So that's against Pride of Jenny, but we know she's tough and we know that she likes to settle on speed and she'll just keep on running to the line. Um, But that's the one reason I'd be against her here. Yeah, I definitely can't have her this week, but I'm really excited to keep an eye on her in the future. So, Grace, you're with alcohol-free? Well, oh, it's so hard, Fee. Obviously, I think alcohol-free might just blitz them and be way too good. But there's one horse that I think is, um, I'm surprised isn't closer to the favorite in the betting, um, and it's Levante, this Kiwi mare from Matamata. Um, she is a four-time Group 1 winner in her own right. So she deserves to be at weight for age, carrying 57.5 kilos. She's very, very well-placed in this race, as opposed to horses like Pride of Jenny, who are better placed at handicap level. Um, Levante last start came over from New Zealand and settled last in the run in the George Ryder Stakes at Group 1 level over 1,500 metres, where she got within a length of Animo. And we've obviously just spoken a lot about Animo in the previous race. She settled last in the run. And as I mentioned, when we spoke about Animo, he's just been in a heap of slow run races where it's a sit and sprint. So for her to get so close from where she was, was remarkable. It was a huge run. It was, I think she ran the fastest last 400 metre section of the whole meeting that day. So that was a monstrous run. The last time we saw her in Australia was, again, finishing only half a length off Rockin' Horse at Group 1 level over 1,200 metres. So she's a very consistent but very versatile mare. She handles wet tracks. She can sort of settle anywhere in the run, any distance. Nothing really seems to phase her. She's very, very classy, and I think um, that she's put the riding on the wall with a brilliant run first up, that she is being set for this race and can be right there in the finish. And at $8, I think she's a great each-way bet. That would be definitely my pick in the race. And Damien Lane is a great jockey, Barry 13, no problem at all. Um, yeah, definitely keen on Levante in the Queen of the Turf Stakes. 
Well, that's the last race that we're covering today. And I think we've given people a lot of options, Grace. They might not agree with one of us, but they may agree They may agree with the other or they might have their own opinions. But we've spoken about a lot of horses today. So there's plenty for the listeners to go on with. Absolutely. And this is going to be the thing, Fee. We have done our form on wet track, on a heavy track, essentially, because um, much to everybody's dismay, there's now predicted to be seven mils of rain at Randwick on Friday, which is so annoying. But we've done our heavy track form. If for some reason the sun's out for the whole week and there's no rain, well, all of a sudden we might be on, you know, a soft track. So not as wet as a heavy track. And that definitely will change things as well. So the lesson we learned from last week is that it definitely pays to be able to be agile and just completely reassess uh, what's happening based on the conditions from the weather and even the wind as well that can that can cause um, a lot of change in the way that races are run and ultimately who wins races so let's be on standby for whatever mother nature throws at us this weekend So the championships is wrapping up after this Saturday. I can't believe that we are saying that, Grace, the year is going so fast. Next week is going to be our last episode just for a little bit. We're going to take a little freshen in the paddock here at Ladies Who Punt. So make sure to tune in for that. And the best way to tune in for these episodes is to follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. And while you're there, make sure to leave us a review. We love reading them. Until then, guys, enjoy your racing this weekend. Hopefully you can find some winners on the wet track and we will catch you next week.